Welcome to the Butts and Seeds Podcast, episode number 42, where we take a week-by-week basis looking at the slow but inevitable downfall of WCW. Or as Emily probably still knows it, the prologue to the invasion. We're still at odds of whether or not we're going to watch the invasion as part of this podcast, and I'm concerned that Nick is leaning toward yes. Again, we have a long while to go. I know, but you're already coming to me in the living room being like, once this podcast is over, what do you want to do? I'm like, we're 40 episodes in, man. We're 40, well, we're 41 in right now. This is episode 42, so we got... Oh, Still, though, let's not pray for the end. Let's not talk about the ending before it's really begun. We haven't even gotten to Vince Russo yet. No, we're getting closer. I think very much creeping up on us. Do you know how long we have until that? It's right before Halloween Havoc. Oh, so we got a little bit of time. Yeah, I mean... I it's we, July. Yeah, we got like five months. Yeah. It's July in oh, the God, timeline. Feels, it's February that, in real life. Yeah, that feels so long in hindsight. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying we got a while. Like we, like, we have basically, from when we started doing weekly episodes to now... We basically have the same amount of episodes from when we went weekly to now as we do to when we get to Vince Russo from now. Oof. We need to do something special for the Halloween Havoc episode because that's the first episode of the podcast. Like That's like our anniversary episode in a way. Yeah, it is kind of a relative thing of measuring anniversaries. Do we do it by in timeline anniversary or do we do it by real life anniversary? Yeah, I don't know. We can do both. Either way, this is the July 12th, 1999 Monday Nitro. It's the first Nitro after Bash at the Beach, 1999, a pay-per-view which was largely forgettable. Uh-huh. We open our episode with a Nitro recap from last week. They don't even acknowledge Bash at the, Be- Bash at the Beach exists during this package. No, they did. They started with Brett. They started talking about, like, Brett's recap. Yeah, it was a real somber start. Yeah. Right it's not like last night there was a pay-per-view. It's weird. Oh, and in case you're curious where we get too far into this, the this Nitro did a 3.4 to Raw's 6.0. Jeez. We watched that Raw. Like, it was fine. Yeah, we started watching it. There was, was like, nothing we special. A, yeah. It's the uh, go-home for the end of an era uh, first blood match where it's either you'll never see Vince McMahon on <laughs> WWE TV, TV again, or Steve Austin will never challenge for the world title ever again. Neither of those things happen. Non-match result spoilers. Neither one of those happens. Yeah, like, as soon as, like, we were watching, they said those stipulations. We were just watching this Raw for fun. We, they said those stipulations, and we're like, oh, that's that doesn't even give away who wins. So from the Nitro recap, we go to the Nitro opening. Then we get the opening pyro, and I'm like, okay, logical order of events. We're, we're finally getting it down. Yeah. Finally. After God knows how long. Tony Schiavone, Bobby Heenan on commentary, throw to Mean Gene in the ring, who brings out Macho Man Randy Savage. Like, all right, we're going straight away with the main story. We're not doing a random, you know, Hugh Morris versus Scott Norton match. Honestly, I kind of wish they did start with a match. Yeah. I feel like this episode had so much wrestling back to back to back to back to back. It could have used a bit of a breakup. Ah. But did you notice that Bobby Heenan's still wearing his same attire as a... Bash the Beach? I noticed it was the same style attire. I don't know if it was the same shirt or not. I think he found his calling in Hawaiian shirts, and he's just going to stick with that. And I respect that. 
So Randy Savage comes out alone. I'm like, oh, okay. No Sid, no Team Madness. Savage says he's the baddest dude on the planet and the WCW champion and thanks everyone for honoring him mm. as they boo him. Yes. As they should. Gene asks where his crew is. Macho says he has to do this himself. And we get Goldberg chants here to the point where I, I like can't hear what Savage is saying. Oh, yeah. The Goldberg chants were strong. Spoiler, no Goldberg. You know, I just realized, like, oh, yeah, no Goldberg. Yeah. No. Like, there were Goldberg chants a lot throughout the show. And remember, in case you missed the mention in our last episode, the Megadeth performance where Goldberg returned was one of the lowest rated segments in Nitro history to this point. So most people don't even really know he's back outside of he did appear in the opening. Uh, in the opening recap package. Yeah, it did show the Megadeth performance with Goldberg coming out at the end. I think that was the like, hey, in case you missed it, Goldberg's back. So the fact that he doesn't show up in this show feels weird. You know what it is? You know how, I don't know if you do this, but some people when they're watching shows, they skip the previously on. Because it's like spoilers. You do do this because you do yes, this Yes, we Game talked of about Game of Thrones. Yeah. And it's like, oh, Benjamin Stark is suddenly in the previously on. And it's like season seven. What, why is this the case? Right. But that usually the reason you skip it is because it's a spoiler in some way. But in this one, they did basically a previously on Nitro, showed Goldberg, and didn't do anything with it. Yeah, I think there, if they were doing a previously on, there definitely would have been a major spoiler, which happens at the end of this first segment. Or even at the end of my next note. What's that? Because Savage tells a fictitious version of events from last night. But at least this version of fictitious events actually did result in him winning the world title. As opposed to last time where it's like, I won the world title. And it's like, you didn't though. You're not the champion. I can see that you did not. Yeah. You know, you don't have the big gold belt. That beautiful big gold belt. Savage then issues an open challenge for the WCW title for anybody who isn't Kevin Nash. The reason for this is that he says Nash just doesn't deserve a title shot. I'm like, oh, okay. Savage then shakes Gene's hand for some reason. It's like, okay. He's like, yeah, shake Locking my hand. I'm the, I'm the new champion. It's like, show respect. And then in our version, the classic NWO theme hits. In the live version, it's Voodoo Child and out comes Hulk Hogan. I was wondering if it was dubbed because I it felt like it was a weird pop. Yeah, it was dubbed. I, I had the same thought. I'm like, this sounds just like a you know like a video game crowd here. Yeah, it was like a non non reaction, which I thought was weird. So it definitely was Voodoo Child. Yes, I just double checked the, uh, the 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 file we have of the originals, which makes it doubly weird for later. We probably should just watch those. No, because I like being able to watch it on Peacock. Also in HD. It's yeah. Nice. So Hogan enters the ring and Savage has already bailed to ringside and he goes to Bobby Heenan and he's like, get him out of here. So Hogan is here to accept Randy Savage's open challenge. To which Randy Savage is like, oh, no, no, brother. You were also in that same category as Kevin Nash. You and Kevin Nash are the same. Yeah, he's like, ah, like you know, I, I, I didn't flesh out what I was talking about earlier. Uh, you're, you're in the same category, Sam. You don't get the to do it. Same category. Yeah, he said, I would like, I will call out anyone in, in this business that is not Kevin Nash, or in the same category as Kevin Nash. What the fuck? Which did prompt major Goldberg chance. Exactly. Sorry, crowd. Once again, he's not that. here tonight. So. So Hogan accepts the challenge, and he's like, 
the match is already made. And it's like, how? He just issued this. Yeah. The logistics of it were weird. Even more weird, Gene's like, well, you can't go back on your word. It's like, who says? First of all, the match not is not made yet. Like, yeah. supposedly, there is no word to go back on. But yeah, Mean Gene's like, ah, you, you you know you're bound to your word by law. It's like, <laughs> you're not. So Savage then decides he's just fine with it. And you can tell they're fighting to get the last word between him and Hogan. And you and, know how much I fucking love when they do that. Yeah. Hogan decides he wants the last word and pumps up the crowd. Oh my god, it's so annoying. They both battle for the, the last word. And then it happens again. I'm sorry. I'm jumping around this whole pay-per-view. It happens again at the end of the show when somebody else comes out and he also has to have the last word. And it's fucking annoying. I hate it. I, hate I didn't it, I mind it, I as it. much in the last segment. I did. I did listen back to our last episode earlier today. And I laugh at you going, oh, God, I, I'm so glad Hulk Hogan's gone. I hope he doesn't come back I soon. I know. I spoke it into existence. You said his name three times in the mirror. I know. And that doesn't work for me, brother. Uh, the hot dog man appears in my nightmares. He is my sleep paralysis demon. Okay. You need to talk? Listen, I've had a rough day. I'm tired. I'm just trying to survive over here. Well, maybe you can relax with our next segment. A, ra- a random Randy Savage entrance video for like two and a half minutes. It was weird. <laughs> like, I thought it was like a hype package. Like his and entrance then I, video. Yeah, yeah. I thought, yeah. I'm like, oh, because it looped. And I'm like, no, this is just the video. Why? Oh, there was something that I did notice during this segment, though. There was a kid sitting behind commentary wearing a Surge t-shirt. <laughs> Surge. Surge Watch lives on! Oh, I feel like when we get to episode 100, we need to, like, try Surge. I've tried it. It's not good. I forgot. I forget you've tried it. A guy that I used to date, his roommate would buy those uh, vintage sodas or whatever like collectible crap from the 90s would come out it's called expired sodas it was gross <laughs> yeah it was expired it's from the 90s i don't think it was expired i think it was like a oh we're going to re-release surge and a new recipe whatever which i have another thing to talk about with that later in this show oh man i got heated early later anyway so he got like a case of surge and it sat in my ex-boyfriend's refrigerator for like a month and every time someone would come over to the apartment his roommate would be like, hey, you want one? And everyone would be like, no. I don't remember if you told the story of the podcast before. I may have. But I think you were there at one point. You were offered one of these cans. I think even you said no. Well, yeah. <laughs> Just say no to Surge, kids. It's gross. So post-entrance video commentary talks about the o- opening segment. I think this is actually the first time we see Bobby Heenan. Because this is where I noted oh, his, his Hawaiian shirt. And they have to talk like the wolf pack is still going strong. I'm like, it's just Kevin Nash at this point. Yeah. There is no Wolfpack. There's really no NWO at this point. Again, we'll get there. They talked through some Nitro stills of last night's main event. No mention of the Black Eye. They no. They uh, sweep that under the rug. I'm wondering if Turner was not happy with them. Oh, they weren't. Well, I know they weren't happy with the, uh, the go-home show with the whole angle at the end. I just don't know. We didn't talk about how they reacted to the actual. I don't know how much we have that information, yeah. but I imagine not great. Not great, Bob. They punished uh, Team Madness by putting her in the worst outfit later on. Yeah. Ugh, I had a lot of feelings about the end of the show. Okay, we'll get to the end of the show at the end of the show. We're going to get the Nitro Girls. I don't even remember this. I don't remember this Nitro Girls. I remember there is 
a segment of Nitro Girls in this show that is just weird. Yeah. We then get the Rap is Crap tour highlights. <laughs> the world tour. Then we get our first match of the evening. Oh, we're going to breeze by how that is so not a world tour. I, I don't were, think they got out of Alabama. We've already talked about this, but I wanted it to just be Texas. Yeah, but we didn't get that confirmation. And that that's recap, if you can even call it that, was basically confirmation. I think we saw dates at one point on screen and it was, you know, a bunch of southern states, but it was more than just Texas. Like, ah. Still not a world. But our first match of the evening is actually apparently an interesting one, but it's kind of lost on us. It is Vampiro versus Conan, who at this point in time in 99, do not like each other. Oh, really? Yeah, they apparently have a past, and this is their first singles match ever against each other. Hmm. I mean, I believe that, because it's a weird matchup. So Conan comes out to a theme that I could identify, but Emily could not, because this was not the Rey Mysterio theme from our game the other week. So it is a different Conan theme. No, well, I think it's the theme that Conan has recently been coming out to. It's just not the one him and Ray came out to, because they're coming out to Ray's theme. I don't know, man. <laughs> Nick, I watched back so many matches of Conan trying to confirm or deny if the video that I picked or the song that I picked for that fucking game was the right theme. And every one of those had that song as Conan's theme. This is not that. I feel like we're going to have to do a bonus episode of literally just us going through listening to every Conan Every entrance. Conan. This is, this is getting annoying now because now it's becoming a point of contention between us. Now we're arguing about it. It's not fun anymore. So Conan does his normal promo. Actually, it's a little bit altered than usual. I couldn't really identify how, but it seemed a little more skimmed through. And then Vampiro just cuts him off mid-promo pro- mid with a blindside hit. What a monster. Doesn't even let him get that full life. Vampiro works over Conan for most of the beginning of this match. It's a Uranagi and then misses a like diving, spinning senton. Conan hits his rolling clothesline and catches a Hurricane Rana, turning it into a powerbomb. Then hits his face buster, but Vampiro rolls to the outside. On the outside, Vampiro throws a chair at Conan, and it's a DQ. The end. Which I'm sure will be consistent throughout the rest of the evening in terms of uh, weapons and DQ and inside or outside the ring. Yep. I didn't really have a lot of notes about this match. I just noted that Vampiro was really kicky. After the bell, Vampiro hits a standing sidekick and hits basically a Hoobie driver. I don't know if that's a different name or not, but that's more or less what it was. Yeah. I was enjoying this at the time, although I think the based on the fact that Conan was doing all of his normal highlights, it's like, oh yeah, this is going to be a short match. Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, it's sad, but as soon as Vampiro came out, I was like, oh, this is going to be quick. It's been growing in annoyance. I don't like Conan's face buster. No? Because he does the back kick to set it up and then does like a really like long, like, I'm going to do like an exaggerated rotation. And it just takes so long. I'm like... Just turn around, bud. It doesn't need to be this whole song and dance because you're not doing enough of a bit to make it a bit. Yeah. So you're just being slow about it. I never think about it. I've noticed in the last like three or four of his matches. Hmm. But I was bummed that this was just like, okay, DQ. I'm like, oh, I was enjoying it. But yeah, that's kind of, you know, how this episode's going to go. But the fact that they don't like each other, I was kind of wondering. I'm like, hmm, did this end in a GQ because neither, neither one wanted to do the job? <laughs> Maybe. And apparently uh, Conan's in, in a little bit of hot water after doing an interview and shitting on Eric Bischoff. Oh, really? Yep. I mean, 
He's probably right. Moving on, we get Nitro stills of David Flair versus Dean Malenko. And then Tony hypes up later in the night, it'll be Dean Malenko versus Ric Flair. And I'm like, oh. that Yes, as soon as that came up, we're like, oh, that's going to be a good match. Our next, is it? No, it's just a segment, not a match. Although, it's a, it's kind of a match. We get the cat and Sonny Ono coming out. Ugh. We were on the lookout for how they spelled Sonny Ono's name in the graphic. They did not they get a graphic. They didn't even give him a graphic. Did anybody get a graphic tonight? I would imagine so. No. I don't take I don't take prolific notes on the graphics. You take notes on everything else. You got like six pages of notes in your hand. Five. Still. The cat grabs a mic and tells the crowd he's going to show them and the Nitro Girls how to dance. Then heals on the crowd and then randomly calls out Buff Bagwell and his mom. Yeah, but you know what he doesn't do? Dance. Dance. Really sick of this stupid segment. Buff then comes out looking like a tool. Am I getting worked? Actually, no, he's a face. I can't be getting worked. <laughs> like, wait. You were getting worked when he was a heel. Yes, to a certain degree. I'm getting worked the same way I think both of us are getting worked by Baron Corbin in real time. And even then, I'm even I'm warmer on Baron Corbin than I am Buff Bagwell. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Are you sure? N- not, r- current moment, yes. Are you okay? Buff Bagwell has been like second in line for being my MVP for the last like three weeks. Baron Corbin makes me want to throw this dancing shoe at the television when he comes on. Buff then tells Kat <laughs> to shut his mouth. It says he has two things to say, which... It's never two things. Well, it actually ends up being two things to say. Because the first thing is just him getting on the ropes and like, hey. He doesn't say anything. So the second thing is that he is buff and the cat is not the stuff. Then suddenly he has a third thing. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I love Jacksonville, which they didn't even know that we're in Jacksonville. Oh, yeah, we're in Jacksonville. Go Jags. The cat's like, no, I hate them. It's like, got him. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I love the Jacksonville Jaguars, but who enjoys this, the city of Jacksonville? You lived there for a little while. I was sick. We actually did speculate, were you living in Jacksonville for this Nitro? Yeah, there's a chance that I was living in Jacksonville when this this Nitro was being filmed. There's a fairly good chance. But yeah, it was 1999. I was literally five years old, six years old. Five. Five years old. Well you, well, you actually, at this point, you would have been four. Yeah. So I, I, I lived in Jacksonville, but I didn't live in Jacksonville. We drove through Jacksonville when we were in Orlando. Buff then challenges the cat to a match and tells him, I, you know, there's an old saying, don't sing it, bring it. I've never heard that saying. Neither before. have I. <laughs> like, you just made that up. Cat then hits Buff from behind and then works Buff over. There's not a ref. And I'm like, is... Considering all the other fucking cat segments usually just randomly turn into a match. Like, is this not a match? Well, here's the thing. This one didn't start out as a dance competition. Ah. Yeah, that's the that's the deciding factor. Buff then hits a clothesline and does his strut, but Sony Ono comes in and gets slammed. Sony Ono? What did I I said so- Sony. He's a PlayStation. Yeah. <laughs> we get a shoe kick from Cat. And then he pins Buff with a Sonny Ono count. <laughs> now you're giggling. D- did the bell ring? I forget. Oh, I His music doubt hit. It. I just forget if the, the bell rang. I highly doubt it. I do have to laugh looking at my notes because I wrote shoe kick because you know what I mean when I say that. Yeah. However, the translation of Seamus' finisher, the brogue kick, is the shoe kick. Yes. 
So did Seamus take it from Ernest Miller? I don't know. I, <laughs> Ernest Miller's not calling it the shoe kick. I'm I am calling know. it the shoe kick. So do you think that Buff Bagel's push is over? I don't know about over. It's definitely like stagnant right now. I just think that putting Buff Bagwell in a match with Ernest the Cat Miller after he's had this whole feud with the Flares just kind of feels a little burying. I don't know. I think you're jumping a little too far right now. I think what he does after this feud will kind of hint more in the direction. It's just a matter of, you know, people at the top of the card are pretty locked up right now. So it's like, all right, who are you going to, you know, put him against? So. Yeah, but he just he was top of the card for a while. Listen, he's at least on TV. Yeah. We'll uh we'll follow that as it goes. We get some nitro stills of Buff versus Piper. And the stills just ignore the fact that there was a blockbuster in that match. So yeah, the oh, boxing yeah. match. I'm like I did still love that match. It really hurts Nick every time I say that I loved that match, but I unironically loved that match. We then get the nitro girls. Is this the one you have the notes for? No. Commentary then throws to the clip from the start of the show, which we get a good amount tonight of like, yep, Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan are here. After that, we get the previously mentioned Ric Flair versus Dean Malenko. Ric Flair is coming out with Arn in Asia and Malenko has Benoit and Saturn. Yeah, and Eric Bischoff is on commentary for this. For some reason. For some reason, he decided to come out and hang out. Which also, (laughs) actually, I think that that one might be on me because I was like, yeah, we haven't seen Eric Bischoff in a while. So you mentioned... That he hasn't been on for a while the last episode. And you're like, yeah, he used to just come on commentary randomly. So he's your Beetlejuice. Apparently. Hogan's my Beetlejuice. I did write at the start of this match, I unfortunately smell shenanigans. Your nose is correct. I then wrote, Charles Robinson's the ref. Yep, shenanigans. Yeah. (laughs) Flair then tells security to remove Benoit and Saturn from the building. And I'm like, I bet they're glad they came to TV. You were right, too. They came on, they walked in the ring, immediately got kicked out, and that was it for them on the episode. Yep. They didn't say a word. They didn't land a a hit. They didn't take a bump. Nothing. But they still had to fly to Jacksonville. Well, the only sort of lining is they were in Fort Lauderdale, which is not terribly far. So, And I'm assuming they're riding buddies with Dean. So, Match starts. Dean starts off hot. It's a nice drop kick, but man, does he sink like a stone after he hits it? Yes, he does. This was a really good match, though. This, I, I mean, we knew going into this that this was going to be good for the amount of it that we were going to see without it being, you know, fucked with. There is a weird spot where Malenko is stomping Flair in the corner. You know, crooked referee Charles Robinson gets to a five count, which would prompt a DQ, and then gets shoved by Dean Malenko, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm not going to DQ him." It's like. You should be immediately calling for that. Maybe it's like a little bit of fear. I wouldn't be surprised if Charles Robinson was a little bit afraid of Dean Malenko. No, see, I've used this same excuse for Scott Steiner, and you get mad when I do that. No, I don't. Yeah, I do. What? So I would like some explanation on something. Okay. It bothers me every time I see it, and I think the answer to it might just be showmanship. Why does Ric Flair cross the entire ring and then flip himself up upside down on the adjacent pole well it's usually because he's getting irish whipped is why it's across the entire ring but he wasn't irish whipped. he got like kind of i can't remember the exact hit he took but he got like hit in the face and then he stumbled across the stage or the, the ring and flipped upside down on the ring post and then kind of like flipped himself out yeah it's a flare turnbuckle spot he usually gets irish whipped. i thought he did in this match i, I guess i missed so. whatever but i saw it and i was like this is just dumb yeah no it's a you, it takes more work for you to flip yourself upside down on that turnbuckle by the way Shawn michaels does a similar spot however he just rotates back down it's dumb 
I don't get it. I don't understand it. That's why I'm like, the why only answer is showmanship. A, why does he do a flare flop? Yeah, that's also dumb. But again, the answer is showmanship. Dean follows Flair to the outside and then gets clotheslined by Arn. Dean gets the advantage, but once again is knocked down by Arn. And then Arn just comes into the ring to stomp Dean with Flair. And Charles Robinson's just like, no, I'll just look elsewhere. Yeah. Like, nothing really prompts it. Just like, oh, okay, over here. <laughs> I mean, that, you said the shenanigans. This, These are the shenanigans. There's a low blow to Dean Malenko that I think was meant to be a distracted low blow, but Robinson just didn't miss it. Because he's been doing good about turning away, and it was like, nope, this was pretty blatant. Yeah, he could have at least, like, rubbed his eye or something. Like, oh, there's something in my eye, blah, blah, blah. After that flare hits a very nice, de- delayed vertical suplex, like a little, like, stalled one. I'm like, yeah, right. kind of shows that he still has some strength in his old man body. On commentary, Bobby tells a great story of, like, Dean Malenko get, have, having his emotions get the better of him and how it's overwhelming him. It's a nice story, but it's not actually happening in this match. <laughs> Okay. Are you trying to, like, give me some character backstory? I don't know. Eric Bischoff then makes a very random sexual innuendo about Asia. I missed that. Yeah. It, I don't, know, I don't even remember what the line was, but just something about how a bunch of people want to sleep with her. And I'm like, yeah? I totally missed that. We get pretty much every sneaky pin from Dean, which causes Arn Anderson to get on the apron. So Charles Robinson admonishes him. Flair goes up top for the 054, but Dean stops him. The 054? Yes, it's a reverse 450 splash. Uh, but Rick counters the counter and, in a rare instance, I guess hits the diving nothing? Because he just dives off the rope, lands, then puts Dean Malenko in a sleeper. Like, there was no move. True. And I'm just like, so you, I guess that is a successful flying nothing. I guess. I don't think of the flying nothing having a successful ending. Like, I didn't know that there was a way to do that right. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. No. I was like, okay. It wasn't like he, like, was doing the sleeper mid-dive. Like, he fully landed and went, yeah. sleeper. We then get a ref bump, and the new referee comes out real quick. Like, a little too quick. I'm like, yeah. you gotta sell it a little bit, man. He was just waiting behind the curtain up at the end of the ramp like ah, Charles Robinson the second that he falls and shatters into the glass referee that he is. Rick gets the figure four on Dean, but, but Dean turns it over and reverses the pressure. Asia then just comes in and hits the new ref. And Charles Robinson kind of stumbles in and calls for the bell. And it's like, yep, you're winner by submission, Ric Flair. Yeah, which I did not follow in the moment. But again, fuckery, whatever, yeah, go sc- with it. Just screw job, kind of. Like he's in, you know, technically in the figure four. We're not I, in Montreal. Luckily, it, it wasn't like a travesty. I just realized you do a Montreal-like finish the week after Bret Hart comes back and bears his soul. No. So the heels beat down Malenko, and then Sting comes out and makes the save. I said, what the fuck? Sting is here now. <laughs> he taunts Flair, and I loved this, this exchange. Sting says that Space Mountain is on Viagra, and Ric Flair's response is, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> These are not the same level of uh, of, of trading barbs. <laughs> Sting calls out Flair for still being here and holding guys down 10 years later. Apparently he's back. And he's back in black. I'm like, mate, you've been here for he like four here months. He's been here a while. He's he came, gone through like three pay-per-views at he, this point. Yeah, he came back for a spring stampede. He's been here. You've been back, bud. He's also back in black. I said back in black. No, sorry. You can't... Well, apparently you can't say it enough. 
that's true. But you can't use every week's Nitro as, oh, yeah, I'm back. Like, yeah, it's a new show, man. You were here last week. You're back because the show is back. The closest you can get is The Rock going, finally, The Rock has come back to this city. Right. Which I always laugh at, like, times he's been to a city for the first time. He never acknowledged that. That's true. Well, no, The Rock's spirit has been everywhere. Because, you know, we, we are all the people. Yes. Sting then challenges Ric Flair to a match for control of WCW tonight. Like, one, Ric just had a match. That is true. But, okay, you suddenly want control of WCW. That's fine. You know what I'm thinking about? Which has nothing to do with this match. I'm sorry. I'm on a tangent in my brain. There was never a... Or maybe there was, and I'm just, I just don't know of it. Was there ever a Star Wars character, Star Wars-esque character in wrestling? Uh, depends on what your definition of Star Wars-esque. There like was, a space invader, I don't th- know. There was once a character to wear a bedazzled stormtrooper helmet. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> and he is none other than the Shockmaster. How could I forget about that well, segment? Well, weird, weird tie-in. Sting is the one who yells Shockmaster there. In that segment? Yeah. I need to watch that again. And then there's British Bulldog on mic going, he fell right on his fucking ass. <laughs> but no, when I say Star Wars-esque, I mean like there are fantasy characters. You know, we've got the vampire. We've got the the war, the wizard, the warlock, whatever. You know, the, the undead. Yeah. Was there ever a like, I don't know. A Jedi character. Is a what Jedi you character. No, yeah. I think it's probably one too copyrighted. Two, it's a little too futuristic, which usually doesn't bode well in wrestling. Hmm. I was just thinking, like, like you know, the, I, the massive pop that was Star Wars in the 70s and 80s. Wrestling never clung on to that with all their weird characters. Especially in that time, it was very cartoony. Nothing I can think I'm sure there's something, but nothing I can super think hmm. of. Curiosity. Anyway. Back to the segment. Flair points out that Sting can't make that match. Like, yeah, you're right. So instead, he books David Flair versus Sting and if Sting wins, he gets Ric Flair for that match at some point. Yeah, we don't know when. Sting seems to imply that match would happen tonight. That'll be a match later. And uh, thoughts on the actual Ric Flair and Dean Malenko match? It was great until it wasn't. I like I, I like watching Dean Malenko wrestle. I just think he's a very good technical wrestler. <laughs> Controversial opinion over here. Really? I'm being sarcastic. Oh, okay. I think he's fun to watch, and I think that this is one of this is one of the few Ric Flair matches I've watched in recent memory that I actually kind of enjoyed, because it wasn't constant interference, it wasn't constant fuckery. There was a little bit, but not overwhelming, and it still felt like a wrestling match. Rick hasn't been wrestling a ton. I think you've probably actually enjoyed more of his stuff than than you remember. I mean, it's maybe. a matter of it's just whenever he, I see he, his face, he's well, being annoying. He's usually a part of a David Flair segment, so yeah. Or he's interfering and he's just, he's just being obnoxious. And I I haven't enjoyed Ric Flair in a long time. Yeah, I thought this match was good. I I didn't like the weirdness of the fucked finish. I think you could have had a cleaner thing. Like, you know, have a tire on, have him get pinned or something. Rather than a, you know, he's reversed the, the hold, but then we call for the bell anyway. It was just like a... It wasn't a, like satisfying narrative end to the segment. It just kind of felt off. Yeah, it was pretty sloppy. Speaking of sloppy, <laughs> we got Junkyard Invitational Nitro stills. Yep, that's kind of it on that. I mean... No, well, well, well... I don't really say much about it in the stills, I mean. The weird part is, 
I think they showed him here because the winner of this, because the winner, Fit Finley, is part of our next segment. However, this is not the Fit Finley segment. That that follows right up after it? Yeah, no, it's not. Because it's a match and then it's Finley. Well, well, like, he's here. Or no. It's a lot of matches and then Finley. Yeah, but Finley's part of the segment, but he's not the main focus by any stretch. It's so weird. Because the match is Steve Regal with Finley and Dave Taylor versus Billy Kidman. And both of us were like, ooh. Chavo. Both <laughs> <laughs> was like, okay. You Regal versus Kidman? Yeah, I'm down. Start of the match, Regal just glares at the crowd chanting USA. That oh. man's stink face is like no other. I want Steve Regal to look. I, I want William Regal, Regal whomstever he decides to be today. I want him to look at me with that disdain. What's Regal Stevens doing in the impact zone? <laughs> I think I pointed this out to you behind commentary. Big Confederate flag. It's like, yeah. oh. Welcome to Jacksonville. There's a nice clash of styles here early on with Kidman's quickness and Regal's kind of brutish technical style. The quickness is offset by a good amount of rest holds early on, but Regal does have the ability of making the rest holds look a little more interesting. Yes. I think that's what bothers me a lot about the big boy rest holds. Like, you know, the big boy class of wrestlers that just do the bear hugs or just like push their butt into somebody in the corner and just like kind of sit there for a while. They don't do anything. They just literally sit there and wait for 10 seconds or like make a snide, you know, side smirk at the at the audience. That's why I hate it. When it's rest holds like this that I are still energetic and still have something going on, I don't want to die as much. As much. I don't think that's only on the big men in wrestling. Like, they're, like the standard spot is the headlock sleeper and then just yeah. lay on the ground and have a chat. Yeah, but there are ways to do that where it doesn't look oh, like absolutely. you're sitting there having a chat. Kidman gets yeeted over the top rope to the floor is the only way I can really describe no, it. He was yeeted. On the outside, the heels cheat and beat down Kidman. Back inside, Regal hits a nice butterfly suplex on Kidman. Like, okay. We then get a Mexican surfboard stretch from Regal coming out of the commercial, and I'm like, all right, all right. I don't, I didn't know what to call it, so I called it a submission levitation. <laughs> <laughs> See, the, the, there's your, there's your uh, Star Wars character. That, that's not a character. A submission levitation. The, the force choke. Oh, they get it to move for a Star Wars character. Kevin almost gets the advantage, but then just gets tossed right on his face. Ooh. Regal tries for a powerbomb, but w- w- would you believe it? It gets countered into a face buster. <laughs> no, if, if anybody's face is getting busted today, it's not Billy's. At least not yet. Busted makes him feel good, man. Oh, my God. They try to do, like, all of the different types of pins, but they're a little too slow, so it doesn't feel crisp. Yeah. Regal then vaults Kidman into the ref and the heels come in. It's the one thing they didn't want to happen as Kidman ducks and Finley hits Regal with a chair. And then Kidman tosses Finley into Dave Taylor out of the ring. Oh, buddy. Here we go. Kidman goes up to the top rope. Nick, what happens next? I wrote, oh my Jesus, it's that one. So whenever Billy Kidman is in a match and he goes up and does a shooting star press, every time Nick cringes, he flinches and he's like, Ugh, I don't know. And I'm, every time I'm like, Nick, why? He's fine. Yeah, his knee didn't land, land quite right. He wanted it, but everybody's fine. Everything's great. Calm down. This match apparently is why Nick cringes. 
So Billy Kidman, you know, is on the top rope and he jumps to the shooting star press and somehow in his rotation, his stomach lands on the rope that his right foot was on, like (sighs) multiple feet away, like. I don't know how you fucked that up that bad. He, like, he didn't vault forward as much as he vaulted kind of backwards. Like, he didn't he didn't give himself forward he, momentum. Because he basically just leaps off his left foot. I think that's kind of the issue. He didn't issue. push forward enough off of it, though. Yeah. Oh, God. He, it looked brutal. It like, really luckily, he like did not. Like, yeah, it looked like it was sore. It didn't look like he hurt himself. No, but, but it was very clearly a botch. He very clearly, like, caught his, caught his body on the rope, like... How the hell does that happen? But and around he, this... he fell and like he was laying in the ring with Regal and you could just see the pain on his face. And around this time, I think Eric Bischoff was supposed to come in and count the pin. You know, like, I'm going to do what's right. And, but then has to go in and be like, you okay? Okay. Small package. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the mic does pick up Eric Bischoff going, are you okay? Which like I kind of appreciate. It's also a matter of like, this is the end of the segment. Like, do we need to call an audible here? Right. Which, yeah. <laughs> so, so Kidman inside cradles Regal and Eric Bischoff counts the pin. Oh, Can man. we take this moment to say that Eric Bischoff looks terrible? Yeah, he did not look good here. He looks awful. He's gained some weight, which like in general is fine, but he's wearing clothes that don't really flatter his body anymore. He's wearing like a polo shirt tucked into khakis with a belt. It's not good. His hair is entirely gray and fluffy. Like... He's wearing glasses. Like the man aged twenty the man's years. Wearing glasses. <laughs> the man aged twenty years in the last like three months. And then we'll de-age when he comes to WWE again. When he comes to WWE, he looks like he's like forty, like younger, like sprightly and alive. Right here, it looks like he's like ready to retire. I wonder if it's because he's a face. He's trying to look more approachable. So if he tries to be all suave, he's gonna come off like a heel. I mean, maybe. That's not a bad thought. The heels get in his face after the match, and it kind of holds on it a bit too long, and it's just kind of like, yep, that's that's it. Thoughts on the match? I liked the match a lot. I liked the match. I just the the, the ending so, the ending killed it. Before oh the God. ending, I had this. I wrote down in my notes, easily best match, and then I put a big question mark next to it after the botch. It's like, yikes! Okay. I I don't know if it gets worse than that for Kidman. So I think okay. I think we've hit bottom. Okay. I I don't think he's ever tried to do the shooting star press and has landed outside the ring. Oh my god! But you know what? It's okay because after that match, he went backstage and was comforted by his girlfriend Tori Wilson. So I think that he's going to be all right. Yeah, who's who's the real winner, brother? Yeah. So the Nitro Girls come out after this. Did you catch the commentary note after their dance? Was this the pervy one? It was not. There were so many Nitro Girls segments tonight. This was not the pervy one. So the girls come out, they do their little dancey dance. And as they're like leaving, it's got to be Bobby on commentary goes, yeah, but can they wrestle? I'm like, I don't know, Bobby. You missed before the Nitro Girls come out. They're like, coming up, the new hardcore champion. I'm like, he was just here. He, he was literally just in the ring. Frankly, when you said it, he was probably four Not, feet from you. He, he was, wasn't even up the ramp yet. He was drawing with Eric Bischoff at the commentary table. After the Nitro Girls segment, or like right when they're done, we hear this like danger, high voltage. And I was like, who is this? And I'm like, is it? And it was. 
It was Kenny Chaos comes out. Yeah, how did you guess that? Unless I'm merging teams, I think he was part of a team called High Voltage. Okay. Right before the start of the podcast. Okay. But it's been a while for Kenny Chaos. Last time I feel like I saw Kenny Chaos, it was right before he got replaced with Judy Bagwell. (laughs) Are they driving buddies? Is that why suddenly Kenny Chaos is back? Maybe. They They were hanging out together. But no, Kenny Chaos comes out to face off against Sid. Yeah, it's like, oh. Sid! This man is going to die! It's funny, I was thinking, I'm like, is this going to be the Goldberg match? And it's like, nope, this is the Sid match. There were some strong Goldberg chants during this. Oh, though. yeah. Like, real strong. Sid still has no music, which just makes me sad. Yeah, they're giving him the Bam Bam treatment. Sid just overpowers Chaos, and he keeps telling people to shut up. <laughs> Big Goldberg chance. Sid catches Chaos and hits a backbreaker. Then locks in a Cobra clutch and then turns it into a slam. Followed up with a, who's the man? We then get a camo clutch from Sid, different from the Cobra clutch. Chaos powers out, but then gets choke slammed. <laughs> powerbomb, pin. And both of us noted he has a better powerbomb than Kevin Nash. I mean, yes. Well, because his powerbombs actually look significant. They look like there's some power behind it. Kevin Nash's power bombs. You described it well. Like you kind of mimed it. Kevin Nash's power bombs. It's just you lift him up and you drop him. Yeah. It's kind of similar to China when she would like power lift someone and then just drop them behind her. Yeah, it's a pretty common similar. spot though. Like, yeah. Ultimate Warrior would do that too. Yeah, but that even has more power than what Kevin Nash does. Kevin Nash, when he does his power bombs, it's a little like, mm, yeah, I, I don't care anymore. Like, you lose interest in what you're doing mid-action. It's also a little scary considering there's the power bomb flip and he has hurt people with that before. Yeah. Like, he broke the giant's neck. Oh, God, really? Yeah. Oof. So this match was a little too long for my taste, but Sid does look, look like a threat. He needs to beat somebody credible because... This wasn't it, man. Yeah. This is not the credible person to beat. Sid then grabs a mic and asks Chaos if he felt the power. I just made a note. Nick is so happy right now. He calls out Sting to Goldberg chants, <laughs> which is one of my favorite notes they've ever written. That is funny. Sid then shouts at the camera, calls himself the master and the ruler of the world. I fucking love it. Is that your and, best bit? You know what? I'm going to play the clip right here. <laughs> the stars in the sky tell me my destiny. And the stars tell me to reach my destiny. I must take you, Steve. You must be my next victim. Yes, you will. So, Stinger. And everyone who's listening, I'm going to give you something to think about. And it goes like this. Therefore, he does not know when the master is in his house. He can only wish that he comes suddenly and takes you while he's asleep. Mm. Remember these things, my friend. Because I am Sid Vicious! I am the master! I am the ruler of the world! 
Literally, as this was happening, I looked over at Nick, and he had a giddy, childlike grin on his face. This is all I want from Sid. I just want to see him kill people and yell. (laughs) Say what you will, but the shouty promo is actually an art, because I, I, like, I wouldn't trust Goldberg to do this. Like, you need to commit to the bit, or it's not going to work. That's true. (laughs) You know, it was the best shouty promo, though. Scott Steiner. I don't think his promos are shouty. No, no, no. The one. Just the one. I know. I stand by. <laughs> just the math no, promo. I stand by. Scott Steiner's promos are not shouty. That is just his his volume of voice. <laughs> it it doesn't go higher than that. It's just steady at a, at a 10. <laughs> I don't know. I think the math promo is a little shouty. <laughs> not Sid shouty, but like he's shouting. Yes. Again, that's just how he talks. Yeah. So up next, we have the Nitro Girls again. And this is the segment that I was like, this is weird. Yeah. It's different, but it's weird. We also don't even know that it was the Nitro Girls. It was somebody. Yeah, it is shot entirely in silhouette, and it's two girls around a stripper pole. So very, it's like James Bond-esque. Is it, <laughs> it was James Bond, right? Because I, I think of it as like, you know, Austin Powers, the like behind the screen kind of spoof. But Austin, it, it, Austin Powers is spoofing James Bond. Kind of thing. I don't know. Whatever. But yeah, it was girls on a stripper pole in silhouette. So you don't really see them. You just kind of see them around a pole. It was weird. And it went on for a while. And there wasn't really choreography. I think they were just like, here's a pole. Look sexy. That was the whole direction. Yeah, it was odd. After that segment, we get a Sting Flare recap, which we also got right before the uh-huh. Nitro Girls segment. And I'm like, really? Okay. We're loving our recaps tonight. By the way, still haven't had the the hardcore champion interview yet. It said coming up, not coming up next. I know, but we had that coming up twice now. And Finley has already been in the ring. <laughs> the reason they show this Sting Flair recap is up next we have David Flair with Tori Wilson, Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, and Asia versus Sting for the U.S. title. And I'm like, oh, I feel like they glossed over that it would be for the title earlier. Yeah, because Sting wants to fight Ric Flair for control. Yeah. So he would be get, so supposedly if he were to get to Flair, he would have the belt as well as power. Yes. Why? Why did this have to be for the belt? This did not have to be for the belt. I don't know. I think that's a like a, oh, we might lose it. Ooh. Which you <laughs> you actually last episode were saying like, "Oh, maybe Sting takes it off." Of I know. I did kind of call that like this could be it. But then Charles Robinson is the ref. Yeah, don't worry. I'm wrong. Tori looks absolutely adorable here. I didn't really take much note of Tori. It's a a great look. Good. Match starts. David chops Sting. But much like using (sighs) Dragon Tail on a Clefairy, it has no effect. Oh, my God. It's been a while since we've had one of those. Although Nick has been playing a lot of Arceus. Yes. So it's on the brain. I'm waiting for him to be tired of Arceus so that I can play it. You need to finish Shining Pearl. I think I'll have more fun with this one, though. You can also buy your own copy. I don't want to buy my own copy. Almost immediately, we get a scorpion deathlock on David, and he taps out, but Charles Robinson just ignores it. So, we get a scorpion death drop to Charles Robinson. Yeah. Sting cleans house on Ric Flair and Arn. Ric then pulls Asia in the way, but Sting just splashes both of them anyway. Sting then do- stomps David out of the ring, and that's it. It goes to commercial. <sighs> He like Sting like gets on the top like the top rope and looks at the audience and everything. 
David's still in the ring. No pin, obviously. Nothing happens. But then they're just like, and coming up after commercial break. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, I was happy with the energy, but I'm Are like, you, you, you need a better... Just even note, like... There were stipulations to this match, and it was a no contest? Yeah, you just need a better ending. I, like, uh, I, I like staying just clean in house, but it's... It like, has uh, to end. Yeah. There were, there were literally stipulations to this. Like, if I beat your son, I get to fight you. And they didn't finish the match. Why? Who booked that and thought that was a good idea? Yeah, luckily this will get followed up on later in the night in passing. But, but yeah, I, it, it, I literally wrote, what the fuck? God, that was infuriating. That was enough to like tell like make me turn off the show for the night. Yes. I made it one more segment and then we had to then I had to resume later. Ugh. Once it cut to commercials, like I'm done. I quit. Why do I watch this show? Why do I do this podcast? Why do I hate this show? Well, for segments like our next one. Right? Oh wait, first we gotta talk about one of the sponsors. Did you notice that they're sponsored by Little Caesars? And there is a WCW pizza pizza meal? No, I for nine ninety nine, you can get a cheese pizza with it's WCW still on the box. Nine ninety nine. I know the inflation didn't get to it. Well, is that telling? Well, it, I was going to say <laughs> might be telling on the, uh, the current qual- quality. The current quality of ingredients. Maybe in nineteen ninety nine, it was um, on par with either like Domino's and other takeout places, but now it's you know gas station pizza. <laughs> Same price though. Our next segment, though, is Mean Gene in the ring with the Hardcore Championship trophy, and he uses the fact that three or four men were hospitalized in the match to put this over. <sighs> he then brings out the Hardcore Champion, Fit Finley. Okay, so after seeing the trophy, I don't feel that dumb for not realizing that Finley got a trophy, because this isn't a trophy. This is just a whole bunch of garbage car parts welded together into a pile. This is not a trophy. Considering the fact that it was more or less unsanctioned by Ric Flair, why is Finley being interviewed? Yeah, I don't know. Until time. But then again, why was it, you know, featured on a WCP pay-per-view? Great questions. Finley says he represents Northern Ireland and last night was one of the roughest matches he's ever been in. Oh, he had a great line in this. He, Dave, and Steve had a, had a plan and heels on the crowd and also then heels on Waffle House. <laughs> He says, Americans know nothing about toughness and respect with your waffle houses. Which prompts Gene to go, I think you've gone too far. Yeah, don't shit on Waffle House. And on commentary, Eric Bischoff was like, yeah, I like Waffle House. Waffle House is great. Do not shit on Waffle House. Oh, waffle House is exactly what you need it to be. I'm in Finley's camp here for what it's worth. You don't like Waffle House? No. Nick! I've never been that desperate. You haven't been? Nick, you lived in Orlando. For three months. Yeah, you were depressed as fuck. You were never desperate. <laughs> not, not like that. My God. Finley then gets blindsided by the first family and all the competitors, or maybe not all, but a good amount of the competitors from last night come out and a brawl ensues. Jimmy Hart steals the trophy. And... Oh my God. No, hold on. Okay. Jimmy Hart steals the trophy as if he's a fucking cartoon villain. He might as well be on, like, tippy-toes, grabbing the the, tra- the trophy and tippy-toeing away, going, <laughs> and running off. He was, I love Jimmy Hart so much. I don't know when he became my favorite person in WCW, but he is. Yeah, I fucking really love him. He's, he's a cartoon. <laughs> it made me so happy. Um, Question for well, you. Hold on. Speaking of Jimmy Hart and cartoons, just because we're nearing um, our episode 50, I just feel the need to note 
Because I think that we can agree the most cartoony thing in WCW is the Dungeon of Doom. Yeah. And he joined the Dungeon of Doom <laughs> on the same night as the Yeti, Emily. Jimmy Hart joined the Dungeon of Doom? Yeah, with Lex Luger. My brain can't compute Jimmy Hart was actually a big part of the Dungeon of Doom for a while. I... <laughs> He was part of the the segment that they filmed on the uh, the the set of Batman and Robin or ba- Batman Forever. You must stop. <laughs> Batman Forever is what it was, I think. Wait, okay, wait. Who was the first family? Because I thought that I Jimmy Hart and his guys were the first family. Yeah, but why are they a family? I I don't know. I honestly don't. Which because, is really confusing well, because his last name is Hart, and then you can go yeah. to the Hart Foundation. They can be considered the first family of WWE well, because he, they're all the Hearts, you know. Well, Heenan also had the Heenan family, and they weren't related. So. But they're called the first family, and it's really fucking confusing. And now he's in the Legion of Doom, the Dungeon of Doom. Sorry, they're all different, right? No, is he in the Legion of the Dungeon? <laughs> he was in the Dungeon of Doom. Dungeon of Doom has been gone for a while. So he was in the Dungeon. Does for he go to the Legion? No, Legion of Doom. So he was in the dungeon with the Yeti. The, the what? With the Yeti. Thank you. He's in the... the so, hold on. <laughs> By the way, folks, this has no bearing on the rest of the episode. The Dungeon of Doom. Lex Luger was there? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Not to be confused with Lex Luthor, who was part of the Legion of Doom in the Super Friends cartoon. <laughs> the amount of times I've called Lex Luger Lex Luthor, it's really embarrassing. So there's the Legion of Doom, the Dungeon of Doom. There's only two. Degrees. Wait, there was another one. What did you just say? The, the the Super Friends animated show had had the villains be part of the Legion of Doom. Okay, so there's two Legions of Doom. Well, one's not part of wrestling at it's all. Both part of pop culture. And said so Jimmy Hart is not part of either Legion of Doom. But he's in the Dungeon of Doom. Yeah, he was. Why are they all of Doom? <laughs> not to be confused with Judge Doom or Doctor Doom. Insert the Doom song by Gurr from Invaders. Right not here. not to be confused with The Rock, who starred in the movie called Doom. We need to stop <laughs> saying the word Doom. It's a thing from Ted Lasso. It's where it's like, oh, you know, I said a word so much, just lost all meaning. Honestly, yeah. The Legion in the Dungeon. I'm going to continue in my head thinking that the Legion is just the run the people who run the dungeon. No, it's very different. No, in my head, it's not. I give up. I can't. That said, if you had to guess one of those groups having a random ventriloquist sidekick, <laughs> I would assume you would have guessed the Dungeon of Doom, and you would have guessed wrong, <laughs> ma'am. Uh, I think it's like Rocky or something. What? Oh, God. What's the whole... There's a puppet in the Legion? For like three months. Why? What does the puppet do? Nothing. Is he just like a mascot, or do they make him talk? Oh, they, they think they made him. So I'm sorry, it was Rocco. <laughs> Rocco's not alive. Rocco's just a rock. <laughs> He's just. You can see Paul Ellering's hand holding him. Yeah, there's Paul Ellering and Rocco. What the fuck <laughs> is wrestling? This is wrestling. I do. Yes, yeah, I feel like I need to show you a photo just to, so you know that it's real. There is a ventriloquist in wrestling. Here's if anybody tells well, me that this this whole thing okay. is a sport one more time i'm like no it's not this is an athletic Emily, activity Emily, this the, is some bullshit here's the catch granted i don't remember a lot of the video on this but the man holding rocco is not a professional ventriloquist that's just the manager of the legion of doom why did the legion of doom feel the need to have a ventriloquist be their leader uh, no, no we never said he was the leader you said he was the manager 
No, 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 no. The guy holding the puppet is the manager. Yeah, the ventriloquist. But no, I'm saying he was the manager before he was a ventriloquist. The, the, the puppet came out of nowhere. Why was there a puppet? By the way, I do want to point out that we do have artwork for the ventriloquist. The ventriloquist and Scarface from Batman? Yeah. yeah. I don't understand wrestling. Yeah, but this is the chaos you love. I, I do love chaos, but sometimes it goes into cartoon. Like, That's Jimmy... <laughs> no, Jimmy Hart in this segment is cartoon evil character, evil villain. Fucking love it. But if he was doing this with a puppet on his hand, I think I might lose it. Okay. Now, now, that we, now we know where the line is. There's a, there's a, a line. <laughs> I have a limit. So as the trophy is being stolen, commentary just gives up on the segment, as would I. And yeah, as we, as we, as we probably should to go on <laughs> to get forward. Because we only have like two matches left. Back from commercial, Tony asks to see the Nitro stills of the World Tag Team title match from last night. But instead, the World Title stills play. <laughs> but we eventually get the right ones. Coming out of commercial, we get another sponsor. Oh, okay. I have not, I've not been noted the sponsors. I have, because it's the 90s and I find it fun. This sponsor made me lose my goddamn mind. You know who the sponsor it was, was? It was the Dungeon of Doom. <laughs> no. The sponsor coming out of the commercial for this was Crispy M&M's. Now, let me, let me tell you something. I was obsessed. Emily, I get it. You're, you're, you're mad they desexualized the green M&M, okay? <laughs> How dare they put her in combat boots? No. no is, they, it, is it just flats? I don't even remember. I think they put her in boots. Doesn't It doesn't matter. Who gives a shit? It's an <laughs> M&M. It's an anamorphic M&M. Um, anyway, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with crispy M&Ms. They were my favorite thing. They were the only reason I would go grocery shopping with my mother because I knew at the end she would say I was being good and I could have a bag of candy and it would be the crispy M&Ms. Question. That's the blue bag ones, right? Yes. It is the blue bag ones. Keep that in mind. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I did not have, I was not aware this would factor into the story. It does factor into the story. Somewhere in the 2000s, they discontinued crispy M&Ms. In the early 2000s, they disappeared. I was heartbroken. We live and we learn. We move on. While we were in college, I think, not long ago, they brought crispy M&Ms back. Emily, we were in college long ago at this point. Shut up. <laughs> They brought crispy M&Ms back. They like revive. They um the same thing they did with Surge. They just brought back old candies and shit from the nineties. So they brought crispy M&Ms back. I was giddy. I was so excited for there to be crispy M&Ms again. First of all, the bag was green. Oh. I know. <laughs> I saw the bag and I was like, these are not going to be right. And everyone that I was friends with at the time was like, oh my god, crispy M&Ms. They taste just like they did when I was a kid. I was like, you no, they don't. They taste entirely different. They taste like trash now. If you get me a bag of crispy M&Ms now, I will throw them in your face because they are not the same crispy M&Ms from 1999. And when I saw this bag, it gave me so much nostalgia and I was so fucking happy to see the blue crispy M&Ms bag. This green bag is some bullshit and I will not stand for it. And I think the little, the little ricey thing that's in the middle is different. The ones in the 90s were like crisper. It was more like a rice crispy sort of thing. Now it's a little bit too crunchy and it's just not... Right, and the ratio from crunchy, from crispy to chocolate is not enough, and it's not right, and it's not as good, and they might as well just let it die. Okay. I was looking this up. I'm like, yeah, because I'm like, aren't they still available? It's like, oh, they are. They are, but they're bad. Don't buy them for me. Now, do you know what the, the blue bag now is? Actually, I... actually there's, there's two blue bags, but the more... the, the Pretzel. L- yes. Yeah, which I, are delicious. And the darker blue, almost bordering on like an indigo, is uh, caramel. Yeah, those are good. But when this came up, th- these are my notes. You can read them from there. 
I was so fucking excited. <laughs> I could see the large font. It says, OMG, crispy M&Ms. Those are the best M&Ms and the new version suck. Oh, my God. That was my note. Anyway, we can move on. That was a, that was a long, like, 10 to 15 minutes I of had a lot of feelings about the crispy M&Ms. Back to the action. The Jersey Triad come out, and it looks like DDP will be in action. And he will. It's going to be him versus Booker T, which is a match we saw a couple weeks ago, and it ended in a bullshit disqualification. And I'm like, okay, hopefully we get an actual finish here. Yeah. I was excited for this match. Like, I like these two men, so, as wrestlers, I mean. So I was excited. DDP says the people are so stupid that they disappoint him. <laughs> he then says that he's a former two-time, two-time, two-time world champion. I'm like, it's three times. I don't know why that annoyed me, but it did. I don't know why. I thought it was fun. I thought it was cute. They then do their new catchphrase, but they change it. Nick right. doesn't like it as much. Emily, what is it? Bada bing, bada bam, bada bang. But Canyon says bada bing, bam bam says bada bam, and DDP says bada bang. So it's the whole thing. As opposed to last week where it was bada bing, bada boom, bada bang. I just only get flows as well as it did last week. I like it better. On commentary, we get an omen. An omen? On August 23rd. Kiss will be performing live on Nitro. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. Oh, no. Exactly. I've heard tale. Well, also means we're going to get a new character. A new character? The Kiss Demon. What? Yep. Oh, no. We'll get there. We'll get there closer than we get to Vince Russo. Oh. We really have, like, what, like a month and a half of Nitros between now and then? Maybe, like, five? Oof. DDP then sends the triad to the back. And that starts, Booker arm drags DDP, which prompts a smile from DDP, just like a, okay, you get the better of me. The second arm drag gets DDP annoyed, like, no, 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 you're not better than me. Yeah. Booker then gets in the ropes and starts a Dallas sucks chance, which catches on. Literally every time this comes I up, I forget that his name is Dallas. And then when, he start, when Booker T started doing this chant, I was like, why are you doing this? We're in Jacksonville. And I, as far as I know, the Jaguars and the Cowboys don't really have a rivalry. So why are we saying Dallas sucks? The Jaguars aren't really anyone's rival. You yeah. Need, you need to be good to have a rival. Hey, now. It was 1999. They might have been better. <sighs> they do some chain wrestling back and forth until Booker hits a dropkick to the face and DDP bails the outside. DDP ducks a Harlem sidekick and Booker crashes to the floor. Paige hits a diving clothesline from the apron and tosses Booker back inside. Work him over as they go to commercial. Back from commercial, Eric Bischoff is suddenly on commentary <laughs> again. And he notes that Ric Flair versus Sting for Control the Company will happen next week. I'm like, oh. Okay. DDP hits his elbow drop, borderline low blow to the stomach. Wait, so does that mean that they consider Sting the winner of that matchup? I guess by DQ, because the interference. He was like, I, t- I called Harvey Schiller. I called um, sure you did, somebody but... else. It wasn't Ted Turner, but it was like two people from the network. And they're like, okay, next week, this. Yeah, okay. I <laughs> mean... The man did stand tall at the end of that. He effectively won the segment. I mean, he won the segment for sure, but there was no tap out. Like, well, no, there was no well, they're, they're, pin. Uh, like, nothing well, happened. Well, David did tap out, so I wonder if they're counting that. I guess. But also, you know, it does seem fair. He did, he, he he won that match three ways over. I guess, yeah. Booker counters a back suplex, but is too exhausted to follow up and gets clothesline. Paige gets Booker in an abdominal stretch and uses the ropes for leverage several times. The ref spots this and tries to do the spot where he, like, kicks the hand free. Yeah, why was Nick Patrick kicking him? He does that a decent bit. 
But clearly Paige and Booker had this whole thing planned because Paige just no-sells the yeah. kicks while Booker then hits like like a hip toss. I was really enjoying this match. It was very fast-paced. And as we continue on, the rest holds that they put each other in, same thing we were talking about earlier. They have energy. They keep you alive. Like, they don't let the audience die while they're taking a breather. I was going to say, it seems more like for communication than getting a breather. Sure. Though after the hip toss... Booker just gets low blowed right in front of the referee. And I'm like, yeah. DQ? No. On commentary, Bischoff notes that Kevin Nash is still not here. Paige gets Booker in a sleeper, but Booker gets out of it with a jawbreaker. Hits eight head smashes in the corner. DDP like falls into a ninth one. And then <laughs> Booker hits a big head smash for a 10. Then hits a spinning wheel kick, flying forearm. But Paige gets the advantage with his jumping DDT, which... I feel like at one point was called the Diamond Dream. I feel like we mentioned that once. Yeah. And commentary has not referred to it since then. As I that. don't remember that name, so I don't know. Cannot confirm nor deny. DDP muscles Booker up for a sit-out powerbomb. Mm-hmm. It was like, ooh, buddy. He then signals for the Diamond Cutter, but gets pushed into the ref. We get a scissor kick and a spin from Booker T. Still They're not They're not named. calling it the spin though. I'm wondering, is that only a WWE thing? And we're going to go the entire length of the podcast? It's very possible. I'm wondering if the reason I hate that that move so much is because it's called the Spinneroonie. And that's just an objectively stupid name. Yeah. Maybe. Canyon comes out, hits a flatliner on Booker, and pulls DDP on top of Booker. But he kicks out. Kinda. Barely. Booker basically kicks out with... He basically lay on his back and does like a thunderclap. Like gets both arms up to where both his shoulders are still kind of down. Yeah. No, it felt like the ref had to like kind of force his hand under the shoulder blade to be like, Oh, no, no, the shoulder's up. <laughs> it was like, oh, he kind of kicked out. Not really. Canyon then has a bag of powder at ringside. Pocket sand. Booker T completely whiffs a Harlem sidekick, but DDP sells it anyway. It was like, oh, that didn't look great. It's like it's a, it's a bad angle on the camera. Yeah. Booker then knocks the powder into Canyon and goes to pin DDP, but then Bam Bam Bigelow runs in and it's a DQ. I still really enjoyed this match. Even with the DQ finish, I really liked this match. DDP hits a diamond cutter on the ref, and then we get a, a different assisted diamond cutter from Bam Bam Bigelow and DDP again. Yeah. They're really workshopping that week by week. This is probably the most reasonable one, because it's basically Big E's the big ending with the diamond cutter attached to it. Or at least they got the timing right. I think one time they tried this, but like D- DDP pulled him down faster than Bam Bam dropped, so it looked like a fucking spike. Like, to me, this this looks like the 3D. Last week, what or I think especially this last night was the 3D. Okay. This is a little different. It's very similar, though. The triad then suddenly tape Booker T to the corner. And it's like, oh, shit. And they just, like, work him over. It's like, this is brutal. On commentary, they say when that athletic tape gets wet, it's impossible to get off. Which just seems like a flaw in the design of the tape. Because they're like, once it gets wet with your sweat, you're never getting that off. Well, it's well, athletic tape. It's not never. It's just, it, it, it is difficult. Honestly, that's part of the reason why you do pre-wrap that way. It doesn't like, oh, it doesn't okay. like shrink to, to your skin like that. I don't know these things. I was a swimmer. We didn't do tape. Very suddenly, we cut to a shot backstage where the NWO B team are yeah. watching the beatdown and just 
taunting Booker T and Stevie about his brother. It was weird. Like, we haven't talked about NWO at all in any, like, real conversation about the beat about nwo at all until this week like it's been weeks and now that, H- that hogan's back i guess we're going back to nwo well, I think stuff. the last time we saw them was against the west texas rednecks where i give that match best bid it was like oh shit yeah because it was before well, it was a um, weeks ago it was before the uh, uh no limit soldiers came on i think it was after i think it was just like a random match but uh. it was a couple weeks ago but the b team taunts booker until stevie ray decides to come out and help with a chair he enters the ring and the triad bail, and there are big Harlem Heat chants mm-hmm. that the crowd. The commentary is, even noted, notes it. Yeah, I, that said, I am happy. Our, for weeks, we have been saying, whatever happened with that story with Booker and his brother? They're bringing it back. We finally got to it. I'm happy that the company didn't just be like, oh, yeah, you guys aren't related anymore. You're not brothers anymore. That was dumb. Okay, but they actually are brothers. This is not, I know. This is not an edging Christian situation. That's what situation. I was thinking. They just kind of well, stopped calling edging, edging Christian brothers. But they're not actually brothers. I know, but even if they were. Also, they stopped doing that like years later. Meh. Stevie unties Booker as they go to commercial. And I'm like, okay, good. There's not a weird random swerve where like Stevie like lays <laughs> out Booker. I was like, ready for it. I know. I, was, I, I wasn't ready for it, but I wasn't not ready for it. This match was good, and I honestly, I didn't mind the finish as much as I think a couple weeks ago because it progressed the story. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, this is prompted as opposed to just like, okay, DQ, that's it. This was all pointless. Yeah. No, like the, the, the point is now Booker has backup to face the triad and challenge the titles. Yeah. But we'll see how that story progresses as we go along because I imagine... The B team will not just go down without a fight. So I imagine they'll have to, Booker and Stevie will have to go through the B team first. Yeah, I'm assuming that the story's going to be like Stevie wants to go back to be with his brother, but his brothers want to be in the NWO. So Stevie has to leave the NWO, and the guys in the NWO are going to be like, oh no, brother, you can't leave. This is for life. And then they're going to fight each other, and it's going to be like a tag thing for a while, and then it's just going to fizzle. I did note no Scott Norton backstage. I know, you don't. <laughs> Sorry. It's funny. I, I, he could have been there. And he I could have gotten. He was not, but I feel like I. I he could have been there, and I, and I could have just been like, yeah, no, Scott Norton. You're like, yeah. No, I guess he wasn't there. <laughs> I don't know what Scott Norton looks like. He looks like Horace Hogan. Yeah, probably. They all do. Let's go on to our main event. It's. <laughs> it is not Michael Buffer time. No, I, I know. was surprised. Well, Michael Buffer had a lot of work to do yesterday. <laughs> they gave him the night off. Main event: Macho Man Randy Savage versus. Versus Hollywood Hogan for the WCW title. Hot dog Hogan. No sit at the start of this, which made me think maybe they're going to move away, but we'll see how that that goes. I don't know. They're doing something with the women, too. So I'm thinking that Team Madness might be kind of fizzling out. Okay. I said in the last episode that George still has the black eye, and I think she does. You know, I didn't look for it. I didn't want to know one way or the other. You know who doesn't look for it? The fucking cameras. No. They do not give her a close-up. Well, they they want to stay far away from her because Which, of the fucking outfit she's wearing. It's hideous. Oh, my God. Well, I was going to say, I think that's maybe evidence the black eye is still there because they do not show her in close-up. I, I don't know. I don't oh, yeah. I don't want to know. I, I don't want to look. The outfit was weird. I didn't have as much of an issue her, with it like, as you wrist did. Her palm, it looked like she was holding cheerleading pom-poms the whole time because her outfit was like a romper, a long-sleeve romper with yellow and floral. And plenty but, of cleavage. Of course. It's implied. But at the end of her sleeves, there was like this 
black bit and then her hands were covered in these pink cuffs basically pink feather cuffs and when her hands were down it looked like she was holding pom-poms like she was going to be a cheerleader it was so ugly (laughs) i don't know who in the wardrobe department was like here you go george for this you look great we talked about this outfit enough so i feel like we need to do a very impromptu episode of who's that pokemon all right emily what did you come up with in our little uh <laughs> two minutes of searching yeah we had like no time to do research for this actually before you say before you say we should note that the general color scheme on this is mostly yellow with pink floof a little bit of black a yeah. little bit of blue if you want to incorporate that. i did not incorporate the black and the blue okay oh i'm gonna rephrase that sentence I did not incorporate the blue in the romper or the black on the cufflinks. Okay. So the one that I picked was the sunshine form of Cherim. Hey! Did I you too? The same one. Oh my god! I also would have accepted um, the uh, Bruxish, which is the one... Bruxish? It's the one you chose when we did our one on Twitter. It's the really ugly face. Oh no, I don't think this is... I don't know. Well, it was fluffy. I am glad you also chose daylight form or sunshine form uh, trash. I'm just so good. Moving on. Love a little impromptu game. Hollywood Hogan then comes out to the wolf pack theme. Yeah, which is why the first segment was confusing because he came out to the original NWO in the you know overlay version. Yes, because they actually note like, oh yeah, it's coming out to the wolf pack theme here. So I'm actually wondering if that's why they chose. I think you're giving them too much credit. Fair. He also comes out and does the Scott Hall walk. Did you? Yeah. That? Oh, I know. My comment was, ew. <laughs> I noticed. Match starts and the women come in pretty early on. Hogan really aggressively smashes the heads of Molly and Medusa together. It was like, a, okay, that just it felt a little unprompted. It was a little rough. I didn't really see why he needed to do that. And then they go to the outside and Molly and Medusa are just like, fuck you. And they get into a fight. And then and they start like fighting each other and just like cat fight, basically. Fucking Eric Bischoff. Well, for some, such a for some reason, this promised WCW security to come break it up. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. Eric Bischoff on commentary this whole time it was happening was giddy laughing. He's like, get it, girl. Yes, girlfriend. Oh, yeah. I, I hate him. I didn't note it, but I remember. He, anyway. he does have something more egregious here. He's talking about how Hogan's smart for getting them, you know, ejected from ringside. Hogan knows how to take all the attention off of himself and put it on someone else. Like, bud, you got that flipped. Yeah, sure do. Hogan then does a 10-punch spot, but stops at 9, bites the head of Randy Savage, and then doesn't do 10. It's like, what the fuck? Uh, yeah. Savage goes to bail from the ring at one point. And Eric Bischoff talks about, like, oh, you know, Savage is probably going to try to get himself DQ'd or counted out so he can retain the title. And within about 15 seconds of saying that, Savage grabs a chair, and then Hogan takes the chair from him and hits Savage. Yeah. DQ? No. Well, no, they did note that this is a no-DQ match. Did, okay, they, they did. They did note that this okay. is a no-DQ match. I missed that. Okay, well, then I have a couple yes. of notes i got to delete. <laughs> Because Hogan then takes off his belt to hit Savage, but Savage... This is what happens when we don't watch the end of the show together. Savage throws George in the way as a distraction. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh. Again, God, George, get the hell out of there. Now we then get a uh, chair shot from Savage on the floor. And then we get my favorite part of this match. Not 
I don't think my favorite part of Nitro is almost my best bit. Randy Savage then has Hulk Hogan's weightlifting belt. And for about five to seven minutes, Randy Savage does nothing but whip the absolute <laughs> shit out of Hulk Hogan. And I fucking loved it. Oh and I literally wrote, like, he's clearly working some stuff out right here. <laughs> he is not being light or gentle about it. He oh, is, absolutely not. Because you can hear the sound. And a couple of them are, like, whip, like you know, wrapping around and catching Hogan in the face. It's like, oh... And it's just a mix of whip, choke him a bit, whip, choke him a bit. Yeah. It's not an entertaining wrestling match, but if you want to see Hulk Hogan get his ass kicked for Which a little while. Which who doesn't? It's like, oh, buddy, this is great. It would have been better if we watched Hulk Hogan get his ass kicked for a while and then somebody else come out, like DDP or Sting or someone that we like in 2022 and beat the shit out of Randy Savage. Yeah, Randy Savage. That would have been the best. You know, not... not um. Not innocent in in the world either. God no. Like that's pretty much like almost the rest of the match. Just doing that. We do get a sneaky low blow, cutting off Hogan's momentum, and then we're just back to more belt shots. Savage signals for the elbow drop, and he misses it. And Hulk Hogan hulks up, big boot, and then Sid comes in. And I'm like, I wrote DQ, and I guess yeah, I just missed no. it. I think commentary mentioned. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. How was it a no DQ match? And Eric Bischoff is talking about how Savage can try to get himself DQ'd. I don't know because they do make a note on commentary at the beginning of this match that this is a no DQ match. And the only reason I know that is because I made a note okay, in so the I, title of this match, no DQ. Because commentary also notes that the referee is letting it all go. I, wait. Commentary doesn't know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> I didn't think I was crazy. So now Sid's here. Sid gets Hogan in the powerbomb position, but Sting comes out and fights Sid to the back. Savage hits Hogan with a chain he has wrapped around his fist and goes for the pin, but Kevin Nash is suddenly here and pulls the referee out of the ring, hits a jackknife to Savage, and then Hogan gets the pin. And one night later, we have a new WCW champion, Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Nash grabs a mic and welcomes Hogan back, notes that it's twice he's handed Hogan the belt, and challenges Hogan to a title match. My favorite thing happened after this, though. Because Nash says, I think verbatim, the shark just came back in the tank. And Hogan's like, what does that mean? <laughs> well, commentary's like, what does that mean? Hogan goes, what does that mean? <laughs> no one knows that. No one has any idea what the hell that means, Kevin. Because what does that mean? The shark just came back in the tank? Huh? Kevin Nash has been there. Hogan's the one that just returned. Is he calling Hogan the shark? Oh. I don't know. So we mentioned at the end of last episode that I was pretty sure I remembered that Hogan was going to come back and win the title. Yeah. Because in one or two or a stretch, but every, and OSW has covered this before, but every single Randy Savage world title reign in both companies has some Hulk Hogan fuckery to go along with it. Of course it does. Remember how I said Randy Savage might be working some stuff out when he was whipping Hogan? That might be why. (laughs) Any thoughts on the actual match? Not really. It was it was more of a match than I thought that it would be. I'll give it that. I I remember last night I like gave you the rundown of what I was expecting, and I was wrong. It was not just stand there, stare at each other, do one minute of offense, and one of you pins. I thought this was gonna be like a nothing burger match. I think both of us were kind of that camp. Yeah. 
Thoughts on the Nitro as a whole, then? I was overall bored. It didn't hold my attention, but it was not bad. Yeah, like, I think... Going back on, and talking through it, it really wasn't bad. Yeah, I think on paper, it definitely looks better than it was, but it wasn't bad. No, it was not It was not a horrible slog to get through. Like, that, yeah, I did in two the sittings. The second I, hour drags is the issue. I will tell the listeners, I actually had to watch the main event twice because I fell asleep. <laughs> And I woke up to Kevin well, Nash talking. Sleepy. I was like, oh, you're just a sleepy where am bitch. I? I am a sleepy bitch. But yeah, this was overall, I mean, better than a lot of the more recent episodes of Nitro. Honestly, yes. And maybe better than Bash at the Beach? I think so, yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. Uh, maybe things are turning up. As, <laughs> as mentioned, apparently that's the last one that Kevin Nash is lead, lead booker for. He's still on the committee, but he's not. Which is interesting because he's giving himself... A push for an angle with Hogan now. Yeah. Which sounds very much like something he would book himself into. I feel like I said we'd never actually get that match. Apparently we do. So, oh, good. Yeah, I, I think I was just wrong in a previous episode, which, you know, rare. I know, you're never wrong. Let's move into best bit and MVP. Emily, what is your best bit of this Nitro? <laughs> well, I was going to give it to a match, but none of the matches like really stood out to me after talking about it. There were some good matches, but I'm going to give it to Jimmy Hart being a cartoon villain running away with the trophy. <laughs> now, are you doing it for that or are you doing it because you lost your mind in our Dungeon of Doom, Legion of Doom segment? Oh, no, I'm doing it because of his little runaway and it was really funny to me. The Dungeon of Doom and Legion of Doom makes me want to, like, you know, claw my eyeballs out because I don't know what the fuck's happening and I don't want to see it anymore. I'm giving mine to the DDP Booker T match. Yeah, that, was, good, that was one of those I was matches. I happy for the, the story about. progression at the end of it. So yeah. I think overall it... It worked in terms of the match and then the post-match. So it hit the two things it was trying to do. Yeah. And I actually gave my MVP to DDP because of that match. Okay. He really impressed me in it. And like I liked that match a lot. And they did good work. So I gave it to DDP. Yeah. Sometimes we have a hard time with the... It was a very good match. Who do we give MVP to between yeah, the two Yeah, it could have gone to Booker too. I am not giving mine to either man. I am giving mine to the master and ruler of the world. I knew you were going to I had to get one of the two of them, and I'm like, you know what? I'll, I'll give DDP and Booker best bit, and my shouty boy. <laughs> Unfortunately, he cannot be a boy. He has too many world titles. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Buttons and Seats podcast. It's weird not wanting to die at the end of one of these. Yeah. I feel like usually we're, we're not leaving much on worse a sour mood. note. <laughs> Hooray for no domestic abuse angle this episode. Or at least minimal. It wasn't a large what, factor. It, it so wasn't highlighted. It was not a highlight. So next up will obviously be the next Nitro. <laughs> Until then, you can listen to all of our back catalog on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts. Oh, and I recently signed us up for iHeartRadio. If for some reason you like that app interface better or... Uh, so essentially, you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Except, except for, except so- for SoundCloud. Because <laughs> SoundCloud's... A motherfucker. <laughs> Short version is you can't upload your own RSS feed to SoundCloud, and we've already paid for our RSS feed for the year for our the site we're currently on, which is Sounder, by the way. They've actually they're pretty good. So if you uh, are looking if for if you're making a podcast, yeah, if you're looking for recommendations, they're pretty good. And I'd have to pay a decent amount of money to upload for SoundCloud because because the free version only allows you to upload up to 180 minutes. So which is one episode. Basically our first episode. So we go, okay, that's it. And then you have to pay. 
Yeah. But anyway, until the next episode, you can also keep up with us and all of our wrestling opinions and sometimes we watch shows on Twitter at ButtsInThePod. You can also follow us on Instagram at the same handle or on Facebook at Butts in the Seats Podcast. Yeah, if you're a little behind, I imagine we will be tweeting about WrestleMania when it happens. And we also have some, you know, commitments on the actual WrestleMania day, so we'll probably be tweeting about it late because we're going to watch it late because Nick's not watching it during the wedding. Actually, if we're home the next day, we can just do one. Yeah, eight, we can just watch one it one eight-hour show the way Vince McMahon intended. All right, anything else before we get out of here? I think that's it. We are on the road to Road Wild. Woo! Road Wild. I think we heard that one. Yep. It's at Sturgis. It's a motorcycle rally where everyone gets in for free. Oh, will the Hell's Angels be there? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so until next time, I'm Nick. I'm Emily. And thanks for listening to the Hell's Angels. Sorry, <laughs> that's in the Seeds podcast. <laughs> Bye.